2008 World Champions of Baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Happy New Year. It's Wednesday, January 2nd, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Eagles took care of their business, beating up the crippled Washington Redskins, and then got some help from our friends, at least for a week, the Chicago Bears, the Flyers. One point from dead last in the Eastern Conference as Carter Hart starts to go through some growing pains. The Sixers are playing middle of the pack basketball, going five and five in their last ten games, and all continues to be quiet for the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. All true, and we'll get to all of that over the next hour, Bill. But first things first, happy new year to you and all of our listeners. And secondly, Yes, I'm the guy who played the Dandy Don Turn Out the Lights clip three or four weeks ago. I was clearly premature with that, and I'm extremely happy to have been wrong. Well, and you know what? We're not going to let you forget that for a long time. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, you weren't the only one that uh, put the Eagles out for dead. uh, Including Ray Dinger. Yeah, including Ray. But uh, what a great effort by Doug Peterson, the staff, and the leadership of that team and the players to – do what they've done. Uh, what was it? They were four and, four and six, six and ended up yep. nine and seven, right? Yeah, they won five out of their last six. So uh, as I noted the other day on Facebook, when the Eagles were four and six, the Steelers were seven, two, and one. And the Steelers are the team not in the playoffs. The Eagles are there. So you just never know in the NFL. Well, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, it, it, so much has to do with chemistry. And, and as we saw with the Steelers, as they kind of fell apart at the seams, where the Eagles, whether it's um, Peterson and, and his staff or some of that leadership, um, they, they certainly have stayed together. And uh, that's how you become successful, especially with a team that was playing a JV bunch of defensive backs, and now all of a sudden they're playing like real good football players. And some of those leaders have really stepped up their game on the field, too, over the last few weeks. I mean, you look at Fletcher Cox. He's been a beast of late. Malcolm Jenkins, who hasn't missed a snap all year, and he's played 98.4% of the snaps since the Eagles got him. That's just amazing. Uh, Darren Sproles back in action. He's been a leader on the field and probably in the clubhouse as well. So these guys are all stepping up. And even Michael Bennett, who's new to the team this year, but Michael Bennett's been a real force over the past month. So, yeah, good coaching and some great job by the leaders on the team. Absolutely. Well, hey, you know, Chet, uh, it's it's kind of become a rite of passage in, in the new year here at Philly Press Box Radio to start the new year or at least finish the past year with the great Philly.com writer Frank, Frank Fitzpatrick. He'll be joining us for the fifth straight New Year's celebration. And also from the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philly.com, Ashley Blake Greenblatt, makes her second New Year's visit to tell us about what we need to do to make and keep our New Year's resolutions of getting in shape. And, boy, don't we need that. And, of course, Fred Hugo will be here to talk Eagles, maybe some Sixers, and to make some playoff picks with us. Yeah, a fast-paced hour to kick off show number one. I thought I just saw Frank on the board, and then he disappeared. So maybe uh, Frank got cold feet or decided he, you know, had to – oh, there he is again. But, yeah, fast-paced hour. Frank's going to be joining us. And, by the way, near the end of our show, Bill and I will duet on an extended version of Auld Lang Syne, so be sure to stick around for that. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you know, maybe maybe Frank jumped off. He jumped back on, but maybe he jumped off when I said the great Philly.com writer Frank Fitzpatrick. Frank, <laughs> hey, good Actually, friend. Actually, I jumped Welcome off back. when you guys said you were going to duet on Auld Lang Syne. <laughs> You're probably not the only one. <laughs> uh, well, Frank, welcome back. A uh, lot going on in Philadelphia sports in 2018, and uh, it's going to be an interesting 2019, too, it looks like. Yeah, Happy New Year to you guys, and I hope this uh, 2019 is better for Philadelphia sports than it's been for me in the first three or four days, but that's another story. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, yeah, we won't go into that, but yeah, Happy New Year, Frank. Don't. Welcome back. We'll uh, talk Eagles first before covering lots of other topics with you. So let's talk the birds. This team was four and six in mid-November. So how surprised are you, Frank, that we're talking about an Eagles playoff game this week? 
Well, like everyone else, I'm surprised. And and you know what? What I've really come away from this whole season with is an appreciation for for Doug Peterson and, and sort of the culture he's created around the Eagles. I mean, this team's character, I, I mean, they just impressed me more than I think any Philadelphia sports team I can remember. I mean, I don't know if it's Peterson himself or if it's Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long and some of the veterans on the team or what, but these guys really seem to be together, all on the same page, all working towards the same goal. I mean, it's astounding. I mean, this is a pro football team with, you know, 55, 60 guys on it that, you know, you would think there's going to be some ups and downs emotionally wise, emotional wise during the course of a season. And really, these, even through the four and six days, I thought they stayed on a remarkably even keel. So, you know, I think more than anything else, that's what I've taken away from this regular season, and now here they are in the playoffs. Yeah, and you know, Frank, we talked about that just for a minute before you got on with us. And, and to contrast to the Steelers, who looked like they were an easy run for the playoffs, and they fell apart for almost the exact opposite reasons. Uh, internal strife, where the Eagles pulled it together, played a bunch of JV defensive backs out there for a while. And now all of a sudden these guys look like players and uh, there's a lot of jump in that team. Exactly. I mean, and so anybody that tells you that what goes on in the locker room doesn't matter, it's all what happens out between the lines. You know, this, this, if this season doesn't refute that notion, I don't know what does. Hey, Frank, we all like to dream a little bit, but we, we have to do it. We have to ask you, what if Nick Foles does lead the birds back to the Super Bowl? I know it's even more of a challenge this year, no home playoff games, but if he does pull it off, what do the birds do about the quarterback situation? Well, I mean, I think they've made it clear that they're going to stick with Wentz and, you know, wave goodbye, maybe give him an extra, an extra heartfelt hug on the way out the door. <laughs> but I think, you know, no matter what happens, this is Wentz is their guy to the future. Now, whether they're right in that decision is another question. Uh, I tend to think at this point they are, but if Wentz, if Wentz proves to be someone who is uh, you know, as frail as, as he's appeared at times early in his career, then, you know, of course, anytime anything happens with Wentz when he throws an interception or they lose a game or he gets hurt, we're going to, you know, Nick Foles is going to be the guy that everybody points to. And the Eagles are going to have to live with this decision. But I think it seems to me they've already made this decision and it's it's going to be Wentz in the future. Well, Frank, obviously what Foles has done has just been spectacular. But going back back to all the years of football, uh, you know, I I can only remember maybe Earl Morrill doing some things like this. But back then Mm -hmm. it was a running game of professional football, and I've never seen anybody do anything like Nick Foles has done. No, me neither. I was thinking, didn't – this was probably before your time, but – when the Baltimore Colts, when they had Johnny Unitas, and they might have even had Marl at that point too, those guys went down at the end of the season, and they ended up having to play Tom Matty in a yeah, was a yeah, running back. Yeah, that was and Unitas, and they both yeah, they played him a quarter. Didn't they win a playoff game with him as their as their uh, quarterback? Which uh, that's the only the only analogous thing that comes to mind, but to, similar to what Foles has done, it's just it's just astounding, to, and not just to come in and win, but to come in at this at the times of the season that he had to come in and uh, in these high-pressure playoff games when, you know, everything means so much and everything's focused on him and to do so well, it's, it's, it's been astounding. Yep, and we're all going to be watching this Sunday at 440 and hopefully talking about more Eagles playoff games next week. Hey, That'll Frank, we, nice. didn't, we, didn't, yeah, we didn't get to talk to you, Frank, at all during the baseball season this past year. What was your take on Gabe Kapler and the job he did in his first year as Phil's manager? That's a that, that's that's almost as difficult as the Foles Wentz <laughs> discussion, you know. I mean, he he certainly started off on the wrong foot, you know, that first night in Atlanta, and and I kind of watched it closely during the season, um, and I wanted to keep an open mind. I mean, I'm an old fogey, but I'm certainly not someone who's against, you know, modern athletes or modern sports. I think in many cases they're better than they were back in the days that I remember more clearly, but. There were times during the season when I think his analytics worked, you know, when he would pinch it for someone in the fourth inning and you'd say why, and that guy would end up getting the game-winning hit and and the bullpen would shut out the team the rest of the way and you'd scratch your head and say, well, I guess it worked.
But I think as the season wore on, it became clear that there's a randomness to baseball that analytics just can't capture, can't overcome. Um, and I don't, and I think Kapler's reliance on analytics was exposed as the year as the year progressed. Uh, you know, I think that certainly there's a place for for analytics in in, in baseball. But it seemed to me they to, to best to be best utilized, they've got to be combined with a sort of seat of your pants common sense. And uh, I'd like to see a little more of that side of uh, of Kapler. I, I think there were times when he backed off a little this year, and when he should have. But um, and you know, and, and not just in terms of how analytics have changed the game intrinsically, but how they've changed how, in my mind. The, the, the changes that baseball has made in recent years have changed the game as a, as an entertainment entity. Um, it's just so much, again, I'm going to sound like an old fogey, but it's just so much less enjoyable to watch a baseball game these days than it, than it always has been. Uh, I mean, just think about things like replay that have, that have eliminated things like the, like the umpire rhubarb that, 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 that was an, I mean, yeah. it, it was an appealing part of the game. Uh, the, yeah. the play at second base, the plays at the plate, these things that have been been eliminated, all, all those things, for all the inherent dangers and and you know uh, whatever, they were they were fun to watch. They were something you could buy a ticket and come to the ballpark and hope that you saw. And you know the, the game has lost that, and and to have lost all that in an era when they're relying more and more on statistics and analytics and and this numerical. I mean, just uh, alphabetical gibberish. That I mean, when I start reading a story and I see a lot of OBPs and WARs and stuff in the first couple of paragraphs, I'm inclined to, to set the story aside. I, I think it's mm-hmm. a real danger point for baseball, and I hope they figure it out. Well, Frank, I, I have to tell you, when you're talking old fogies, you're talking me too because I feel exactly <laughs> the same way you do. It, you know, uh-huh. I guess what, what bothers me about the game, a couple things – um, you know, when it's not important to you to strike out because you're up there trying to hit the long ball anyway, and everybody strikes out a hundred times now, that's one mm-hmm. thing. The other thing is, you know, with all these shifts and things, I mean, I'd like to see the, the guys from when I was young, you know, the Pete Roses, Rod Peruz, and those guys, they'd hit 850 if they shifted on those guys. Oh, like sure that. they would, yeah. And they would force the teams to, to, Relent on the shifts, you know. They would they would have to stop them. I mean, that's, and I think there's going to be somebody that comes along and figures that out and says, look, you know, if, if this there's a way to beat this shift, and it's not that difficult. But as long as yeah. you know, as long as players are rewarded for uh, you know for their the numbers that they compile, it's a difficult argument to make for them, you know. Sure. So, Frank, the Phils did acquire a shortstop, Gene Segura, and mm-hmm. uh, in getting rid of Carlos Santana, they're able to move mm-hmm. Reese Hoskins back to first first base. But will this offseason be a big disappointment if they don't sign either Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? I, you know, I, I, I'd like to think it wouldn't, but I really, I really think it will be because there was so much made about them being a leading contender for, the, for one or both of them uh, for so long that I think the fan base grew accustomed to the thought that one of them was going to be here. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, as time goes on, I mean, they're certainly not out of it. And in either case, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they were to somehow, if, if Machado were to sign with the Yankees and Harper were to go back with, with if he were to go back with the Nationals, that would that would kill the Phillies' hopes in the division too. I think. But in either case, I think it's it's going to be a tough pill for Phillies fans to swallow. I mean, I like McCutcheon, I like Segura, and, and they're probably going to sign a couple more guys. Hopefully they'll sign a catcher because I think that's maybe their most glaring need right at the moment. Um, and if they were to sign one of the two, I don't know how you guys feel, but I'd like, I'd kind of prefer it be Harper. I think his yeah, me too. He fits in a little better. He's a left-handed mm-hmm. hitter. They could really use a left-handed mm-hmm. bat in that lineup. I think he, I think Citizens Bank Park would be ideal for him. Um, and I think you know Philly fans would. I think he, even though he seems a little a little maybe too much Californian at the moment. I think he could fit in here really well uh, if they were to win. Yeah, I I think if Manny Machado didn't run out of 
a ground ball here early in his time, he would not go well in Philly. And, yeah, uh, they'd be after him for the rest of his contract. That wouldn't work. I mean, yeah. even, you know, you remember what how Jimmy Rollins heard it when that when that happened that he was a beloved guy here. Yeah, right, right. And Charlie took care of that, and I, I would assume Kapler would, but you don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah. these guys keep getting bigger and bigger. But know. you know, I, the other thing I found interesting, I. I had an opportunity to spend some of the holidays out in Vegas and uh, I'm not a gambler, but had a lot of fun. The Phillies are 16 to one odds, the fourth best Mm -hmm. odds in the national league to win the world series. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I missing? Because I'm not seeing them being that good. Well, I think those odds are based on the, on the other odds that suggested that they were a leading contender to sign one of those two guys, maybe both. I think that's what they're they're taking into account because I'm like you. I don't. I mean, I don't. I was just looking at a at a ranking. Uh, it was a fantasy ranking of the the top rated players, and you had to go all the way down to Nola in, in the low twenties, I think, before you got to a Philly. So, uh, you know, I don't see what that optimism is based on at this point. Yep. Me neither. All right, Frank. <laughs> So, Frank, looking back at 2018, obviously the Super Bowl is a standout memory for all of us, along with Jay Wright's Philadelphia Wildcats winning another national title. We talked about Gabe Kapler. What else stands out in your mind in terms of sports memories from the past year? Oh, gosh. You, you know, you mentioned the Villanova thing. That was a great run. And in any other year, I mean, that would be a transcendent moment in Philadelphia sports, one that, you know, we'd probably remember, or we would remember forever as a, the great season, uh, you know, mem- uh, like, like uh, the way people still remember that LaSalle and Tom Golo won in 1954. But I really think that that, that the Villanova title, A, coming so close uh, after their, their previous title, and B, coming in the exact same season uh, two months later after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, has been really overshadowed, you know. I, I mentioned it some, the other day to someone, and they would forgotten all about it. Um, hmm. Just was a, it just was a case of bad timing for Villanova. That's one thing that really sticks out uh, to me. And the, and the other thing was just what we talked about earlier was how how rapidly baseball is changing and not for the better. Um, you know, with, you mentioned the strikeouts and the home runs. That that that's just an unappealing game to me. Uh, I think I think uh, I think golf is in a little, little bit of a sort of. Uh, I know you guys don't talk a lot about golf, but there's. They're in a sort of funny position too now. Is with Tiger Woods? Is he back? Isn't he back? Was the end of the season a mirage? You know, has he has he got more majors in him? Uh, that was that made for an interesting 2018 in that sport. Um, uh, other than that, uh, you know, it, it just was. It's just, it's just a year that people, that my kids and my grandkids probably will remember forever as a year that we won two national championships. When's that going to happen again? Hmm. You know. And the other thing that for me stood out was all the Sixers drama with Brian Colangelo and then Markel. Ford. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I just want to say a nice job by your colleague Ed Barkowitz in the Sunday Inquirer. He kind of recapped the whole Philly sports scene from the past uh, year and did a great job with that. Yeah, he does a great great job with those lists and, and compilations. He really is. Mm-hmm. He really is good at that. Hey, hey, Frank. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this from just generally football and baseball. Uh, officiating an umpire it, it is under my wow. skin to the point that i'm having trouble watching this stuff it, it's just killing me it is i'm not sure it's that it hasn't always been bad but we never as time goes on and then technology gets better and better and better and replays become so important and uh, we're, we're just seeing more of these things and it drives you crazy and, and and at the same time you know that these guys are under more scrutiny they're they're getting more responsibility placed on him as well i mean uh, and so i mean i wouldn't take a job as an umpire or referee if you paid me but but i'm with you i think it's been uh i mean that, that was a major story that one of those things that got overlooked in 2018 was just how bad and controversial uh, i think the nfl in particular refereeing has been you know umpiring that sort of ebbs and flows but the it seemed like there was a big drop off in nfl refereeing this year was it is it just me, or did you guys feel that uh, way as well? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, right. you know, to the point, I think they've made the rule. Maybe it's part of the way they've made the rules, but it's almost like the players don't know how to play within the rules. 
Yeah. Because they don't know when they're going to get flagged and when they're not. And some weeks they do get flagged, and the next week they don't. Exactly. So, you know, and and then you grab the quarterback one week and he's down, and the next week you grab him and he's live, and he beats you because you didn't take him to the ground. So right. it's really and created were, problems for the viewers. There were long stretches of this season when that, you know, that hel- that helmet rule, that leading with your helmet tackling rule was ignored. It, you know, that she just didn't see it called. I mean, I bet you in the middle of the season there were seven, eight weeks where there might have been one or two of those penalties called. And then all of a sudden at a crucial moment in a in an end-of-the-season game, you'd see it called or you, or it yeah. wouldn't be called. You know, it just – a lot of it is, has to do with the with these rules that they're you know imposing on uh, attempting to to make the game a little more safe. It's, it, it makes it that much more difficult for the referees. But come on, these guys are being compensated fairly well, and uh, you know there's certainly training that could be done. And I don't know. It just it, it just it, I'm just astonished at how at how downhill the officiating has gone in the NFL this year. Yeah. Well, so and I'll Frank, tell you, I, I, I want to just add in there, Frank, in watching the uh, two semifinal games, the college games, I thought the referees did a great job. They let them play. They bumped around. They banged around. But they were consistent in how they called the game. And, mm-hmm, and it was mm-hmm. a good, fun game. You know, the scores weren't yeah. all that great. But, but they were good, well-refereed games, I thought, where every play didn't have a penalty. Someone was telling me uh, that the referee at the – that the Eagles game Saturday is a is one of the more flag happy uh, guys in the league, so that should be oh great. <laughs> let's hope that doesn't uh, impact the game. All right, so as is the case every year, Frank, we lost a lot of sports legends over the course of 2018. National greats like Willie McCovey, Stan Makita, Bruno Sammartino, and locally we had you know Hal Greer, Rasul Butler, Wes Hopkins, Tommy McDonald. But I want to mention that you wrote a real good piece just about a month ago about former Eagles linebacker Tim Rosovich. As you noted in your column, he was an interesting guy. So for anyone who doesn't know, tell them about football player, actor, glass eater Tim Rosovich. Yeah, he was a he was a sort of a the epitome of the the, the craziness of the nineteen sixties. I mean you mentioned that he would eat glass, but that was you know, that was one of the least of his of his antics. I mean he would he would, uh, you know, eat cigarettes and drink uh, motor oil, and uh, uh, you know, show up at a party. The, the, the antic that I that I found the most intriguing was he would douse himself in um, lighter fluid, and then wrap himself in, say, a towel or a blanket or something, and show up at the door of a party he'd be invited <laughs> to, and have his friend ignite him. He would walk into the door totally ablaze. They would knock him on the ground and douse the fire and he would get up and say oh sorry wrong this is the wrong apartment and walk out I mean, <laughs> you know and, and there were you know in college he, he was the same way he would walk on ledges of you know high high dormitory buildings and just a real free spirit who was a pretty good football player played on the yeah. uh, on the national champion usc team with oj simpson and ron yarry uh, and came here and was was a top rookie he was a defensive end or in they made him. A, I guess he was a linebacker, wasn't he? Originally, I think they made him yeah. uh, a defensive man. Yeah. But you know, and, and I had encountered him a couple times back then, and just watching him, you, you just felt like this guy was a little out of control, a little something wasn't right there. And I, and now that there's all this emphasis on CTE and concussions and and the impact of head injuries in football, you got to wonder. If this guy wasn't suffering it from it, you know, way back then, I mean, a lot of the of these stupid things he did involved his head, you know, slamming them in the concrete walls or <laughs> banging them in the, th- you know, other people and things, and you just kind of wonder how much of it impacted him. And and sadly, you know, he, he became a movie actor in Hollywood, and he, he wasn't a big star, but he, he was pretty steadily employed. Mm-hmm. But sadly, in the last years of his life, things went really turned around for him and he um you know he he got involved with a couple of domestic violence violent incidents he lost his jobs he uh he was arrested twice uh you, you just wonder how much I wish they had done an autopsy um you just wonder if he was another one of these victims of uh, 
football head injuries, but a real intriguing character. One of the guys oh, yeah. that helped define the 60s and the early 70s, I think, in, in Philadelphia sports. Very good. Well, hey, Frank, before we finish up, uh, you care to make a Eagles prediction as we uh, move into the playoffs? And, and how do you think the Phillies are going to fare if they end up, well, we don't know how they're going to actually end up roster-wise, yeah. but what do you think? I like the Eagles this Saturday. I really do. I think they're they're playing as consistently as they have all year. That their their defense looks so much better, so much more. Uh, t- their tackling looks just their tackling looks much better. I like some of these defensive backs they've installed, and you know Foles and the offense have been uh, have been just consistently performing every week. So I don't see any reason to think they'll stop here. Yeah, as good as the Bears' defense is, uh, so I like the uh, Eagles in a close game. A close game on uh, Saturday. As for the Phillies, until I see the makeup of their roster, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to make any predictions. I think their <laughs> their defense will be a little better with with McCutcheon and Segura. Uh, but as I said, I I, I want to see them get a catcher. The only two guys they have in the roster are the two guys they had last year. And I don't know about you guys, but if you had ever seen a more uh, inept Defensive season by a team's catching staff. Wow, brutal. I mean, brutal. oh my goodness. I just hope they get somebody that can catch the ball, and if he can hit, that'll be a, that'll be a bonus. All right. Well, Frank, we appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, like we said before, you got on. I think uh, it's like a rite of passage here at Philly Press Box Radio to have you starting the year with us. I think it's five years in a row now. Well, great. I hope we can go on for a lot longer. I hope there so. You go. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> All, right, All right, Frank. Thank appreciate you. you. All right. Take care. It is a new year, and you know it's going to be a great year at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn. Always a good time at the Irish Rover. Lunch specials, dinner specials, happy hour specials, a free buffet Friday nights at 11 p.m., trivia Wednesday evenings, always 24 beers on tap, and live bands the next couple of weekends. The Dads are there this Saturday the 5th, and then on the 12th it'll be Scoville Blues. Check the website for details, irishroverstationhouse.com, or just go visit them on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. Where'd you get that rap music to lead into the uh, rover? I have no idea where I found that. I just uh, typed in <laughs> New Year's on uh, YouTube the other day, and I found this like little medley of all these different New Year's things, and I kind of like that, so I just threw it in there. What the heck? <laughs> Some of the finest rap I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't I know said, about that. i got to tell you, I always enjoy... Our New Year's chats with Philadelphia Inquirer and Philly.com's Ashley Blake Greenblatt on getting in shape. And each year it seems to be tougher, at least for me. Uh, you had a chance to visit with Ashley this week. What did she say that's going to get me motivated to do what I need to do? And, and I have to tell you, Chet, full, full, uh, full honesty here, on my computer as I'm looking at it, I have tabs open for Planet Fitness that have been open for about four days, but yeah. I haven't joined <laughs> well, you know, it's not going to help if you just look at the tabs on your computer. <laughs> but regarding well, I said, Ashley, I need, I need Ashley to, to motivate me to actually pull the trigger. I don't know if anyone can get you motivated, Bill. That's a real challenge. But just talking to <laughs> Ashley did get me motivated. She's a very positive person, as you'll hear in our conversation. We first talked to our guest just over a year ago, right before 2017 turned into 2018. She joined us again last May, and now she's back for a third visit as 2018 becomes 2019. She's a personal trainer who writes a weekly fitness column for the Philly Inquirer and Philly.com. She's Ashley Blake Greenblatt Singer. I'm just going to go with Ash. (laughs) Welcome back, Ash. I like Ash. Ash works. Hi, Chet. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I I love having you here. Hey, Ash, I know we did talk about this on your first visit, but it is the start of a new year when everyone vows to start exercising again, eat healthier, et cetera. You know, new year, new me. What do you think is the percentage of people who actually follow through on that promise for more than a couple of weeks? 
Oh, man, that's a tough one to say. I find that everyone has momentum that first week of January. It's like you're tired of seeing stuffing and gravy, and you're like, I'm going to clean out my fridge. I'm going to start fresh. But then I find usually by February that rate starts to fall down, and you start to slow down a bit, and it's cold, and you don't want to prepare healthy foods, so you do what's easy, and you do the old Grubhub thing, which I know we're all guilty of. But a lot of people tend to lose that momentum within the first month. Well, for the people who are serious about it, what is the advice? I'm not an expert, but would you tell them maybe don't try to do too much too soon and don't expect to see immediate results? Exactly. That's exactly what I would recommend. I think that's the biggest problem, Uh, no pun intended, biting off more than you can chew. I think too many people start out with these overly ambitious goals that are really hard to adhere to because you're busy. I mean, that's usually the number one excuse for not exercising or eating well. It's like, I just don't have time. So I would say... Pick one goal you want to stick with, do that goal, see it through, and then if that becomes something that you can accomplish easily, then slowly add on to that. Good advice. Hey, you wrote a piece in October for people who are short on time, a 10-minute tone-up routine, a brief workout, but you say it requires maximum exertion with very little rest between exercises. What sort of exercises are we talking about here? Okay, so that could be just about anything, as long as you're getting your heart rate up. So even if that's taking your dog for a walk... Walking's great. It's really good for bone density and building bone density. But you want to just amp up the intensity on everything you're doing. So rather than taking, you know, a treadmill workout that could be 60 minutes long and doing that at, let's say, like a 3.5 intensity, you want to crank that up to maybe like a good pace run, maybe do interval changes, just things that keep your heart rate at its peak capacity. And those small breaks make sure that your uh, heart rate stays up as well. I won't mention any names, but I know for a fact that some of our listeners aren't quite as flexible as they used to be. I'd wager big money that they can't touch their toes. But you have some suggestions, some simple exercises that can help improve flexibility, stuff like a hamstring stretch, a figure four stretch, and I like the name of this one, the cat cow. These are things I guess most people in decent health should be able to do, are they not? I think so. What tends to happen is if you spend a lot of your day in a seat, which most of us do, if we're at an office job or even if you're a runner, seasoned runners, they tend to have the worst, tightest hamstrings you can imagine just because they get ignored very often. So it's just starting slow. I like to kind of use the image of a hair elastic band that's very tight when you start, but if you start to get a little bit of a pull with each repetition, it starts to kind of elongate and give a little bit more. So the cat cow is great for core stability, kind of loosening up the spine. It's a great first thing in the morning exercise to do. Trying to think the figure four is great because it's more hip flexor mobility, which a lot of us lack when we're in that seated position all day. I would say to take it easy with those. It's not something you want to rush through because that tends to cause us to be sore and then never come back to it again. Small little bites. Hey, Ash, I can imagine some people are hearing this and they're saying, what the heck is she talking about, the figure four stretch, the cat cow? And I can tell you that you have a website, Ashley Blake Fitness, and on that website people can find the corresponding stories and see some pictures you demonstrating this stuff. Am I right? Yes, and actually I just launched an ebook, which is really exciting. It's all low-impact exercises. And there's an option for a hardcover, but as you know, everything's going digital now. But it's low-impact. We have balance exercises, stretching, things that are really easy to access from your home, your office, vacation, so forth. By the way, you were just talking about stretching, and that's very important. It's important to stretch before you do a hardcore exercise. You've got to loosen up first, right? Yes, definitely. But Maybe a little bit different than the traditional stretching that we're so used to. I know in high school when we had sports, you'd stand there and you'd hold your leg behind your body and you'd hold it for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more of a static stretch. I would recommend doing more of a dynamic stretch where it kind of mimics what you're going to be doing. So like if you're jogging, you're doing more of a high knee stretch where you're more movement-based rather than just holding steady because that kind of overstretches your muscles before you exert yourself. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have trouble falling asleep at night, but you did a column a few months ago detailing some stretches folks can do that will actually help them sleep better. What you got? Oh, my goodness. I'm sure all the Ambien users out there will (laughs) roll their eyes at this, but there are ways to kind of curb the different pills people have to use. So it's just breathing. It comes down to breathing habits and full breath. We have a tendency to breathe very shallow from our chest. We really want to be breathing from our abdomen. Breathe deep. That gives us that full, calming, rejuvenating feeling that comes over our body. So before you go to bed, you lay on your back, take some deep breaths, and you kind of just visualize the breath coming in your body and taking all that bad energy out. 
And it's amazing how soothing that is because I find for me, if someone suffers from anxiety or just sleep disorders, it tends to really set your mind at rest. I checked out your website the other night. It's ashleyblakefitness.com. Is that right? Yes, that's me. And you have a lot of great tips on there, and it's not just exercises. You also have drop-down menus covering nutrition, mind management, and even relationships. You cover it all, Ash. I like to think I'm an expert. You know, it's, you, you learn as you go. But it, the relationship, it's all 360 fit. That's kind of what I'm trying to promote, that it's not just slivers and slices of, you know, just doing bicep curls. You also need to practice mindfulness and stress-reducing techniques and have healthy relationships with not just others but yourself. So it's kind of my tips that I've found that have worked for myself and for the clients that I work with. And speaking of mind management, I remember back in October you recommended some exercises that will, as the headline put it, help you buff up your brain. brain. Asking for a friend here, what can we do to stimulate the mind? Oh, well, I think any kind of exercise that recruits muscles that are more cognitive based. So, like, if you're doing patterns, uh, boxing is a great example of this where you have to remember different patterns and sequences, things that just stimulate your brain other than walking straight or doing a lunge. It's things that your brain doesn't normally do, that your muscles don't normally do. So boxing I'd recommend. It even comes down to playing an instrument. Anything that challenges your mind, you take a shower and close your eyes and kind of take all the senses in. It makes your brain work in a different way than it normally does, which helps it grow. Ashley Blake Greenblatt. That's tough for me to say, but this has been fun. (laughs) You're all over social media, all over the web. Where can our listeners find you? So you can find me on Instagram at Ashley Blake Fit, and I believe it's the same for my Twitter. And you can always message me at Ashley at AshleyBlakeFitness.com. And like you said, Chet, there's a ton of awesome resources on there. I'm super accessible, so if you have any questions, comments, concerns, I love hearing from readers or from any of your listeners. That would be really great. Hey, one silly question. At what point in a new calendar year should people stop saying Happy New Year? Oh, my gosh, I love this. So my husband will say it all the way till March, and um, I kind of cringe when he does that because I, I, I think the cutout has to be, like, after the first two weeks. Don't you agree? I exactly agree. I have a January 15th <laughs> cutoff date. I swear to God I've said that for years. January 15th is the cutoff for saying Happy New Year. Oh, my gosh. I think there's actually a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode with the birthday. <laughs> yes. It's the same thing where yes. someone has been two months. Happy birthday. It's over. But we can say it here. Thank you, Ashley, and have a fantastic 2019. Thank you. Wishing you a happy, healthy one. Hey, Chet, really good stuff. Uh, I guess my first comment is, do people get tired of stuffing and gravy in the refrigerator? <laughs> I know you don't. I don't either, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, hate to, I hate to admit this. I've actually uh, hit my all-time high in weight. So I gotta start hitting the gym or doing some exercises or laying off the stuffing myself. Oh boy! Well, I tell you what, I thought the uh, actually I thought the whole interview was very interesting. She's really good. Um, yeah. But it, the uh, the exercise in the brain is kind of interesting to me. Um, Stimulating the brain by doing different things that's that's really kind of cool. And the other thing, and I'm really starting to have problems with this. As you know, I drive a lot and travel a mm-hmm. lot and. Uh, but the hip flexor thing from sitting yeah. in that driver cab, you know, uh, oh, yeah. all the time and, and my hips are starting to kill me. Didn't never bother me until I just woke up about four months ago and I was like, what in the world is going on? Well, I made the mistake last Saturday of trying to move an upright freezer and a refrigerator myself before my son got out of bed and my back's been killing me since Saturday. So I'm getting too old for that kind of stuff. Well, good stuff. Good, uh, great to have Ashley back on, and uh, I need to look her up. Do, do you know right off the top of your head again what's that website she said to check out? AshleyBlakeFitness.com, and you can also find her on Twitter and Instagram, but you don't do Instagram, AshleyBlakeFit. So, uh, yeah, find her. Definitely check out her website. And uh, she's in the Inquirer every weekend, almost every Sunday. I don't think she was in this past Sunday, but she does a great piece in the health and science section every Sunday where she's got pictures and explanations for how to do various exercises to keep you fit. 
Yep, that stretching is absolutely critical, especially when you start to get our age, Mr. Chesco. Yes, you got it. All right. Well, hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. You know what, Bill? It is true. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Click on the Allstate banner on our Philly Press Box Radio website or call Dave directly at 610-430-0700. Again, it's Dave Lavoie at Allstate Insurance in Westchester, 610-430-0700. There it comes. It's that Fred Hugo time again, Chet. Fred, welcome back. You guys are making me feel young with your, your old stories here about breaking <laughs> <Yeah>. down. <laughs> we got You'll em. get there someday. <laughs> we got them. Well, hey, Fred, the regular season has ended, so now it's 30 seconds of listening to Chet gloat about winning our little pick em pool. So, Chet, how did we fare last week? What's our final regular standing record to go ahead and have your, well, down to 10 seconds of gloat? Wait, I only get 10 to 30 seconds to gloat? Damn. Okay. Well, Bill, I just you, used up 20 of those. I, I see that. Yeah, you and I had a couple different picks in week 17, but we both went 3-1 and one, while Mr. Mediocre Fred was 2-2. Two and two. So, our final standings, yes, I'm the champion with a wonderful record of 35-29. and 29. You, Bill, did get back to 500 at least, 32-32, and 32, three games back. Fred finished with a not-so-great 31 and 33, and that is the truth. However, you can't handle the truth. So, congratulations <laughs> to me. Well, hey, hey, the important thing is getting to the dance, as they say. <laughs> and since we don't have an elimination, we're all in the dance, and we're picking all the games. So, here we go, Mr. Chesco. Fred, we're all O and O. Let's get after it. Playoff time. That's right. Saturday, Indianapolis visits Houston. Houston minus one and a half. Seattle goes to Dallas. Dallas minus one. Sunday, the Chargers visit Baltimore. The Ravens are minus two and a half. And, of course, the Eagles visit Chicago to beat the Bears. Bears minus six, the biggest point spread of the four games. With that, Fred, Indianapolis visits Houston. Houston minus one and a half. Frank Wright. The small spread at home, I, I like the Colts here. I think the Colts are going to take this one. I don't think the Texans are, are as good as their record, and um, I, I think the Colts are, are, are a little hot right now, so I'm going Colts. You know, I have no idea how to pick this one, uh, so I just kind of flipped a coin in my head, and uh, it stopped on Houston. So I, I'm taking the Texans. I don't know why. Well, you know, and I really like Houston because, uh, you know, I like J.J. Watt. I like Deshaun Watson, too. But I like Indianapolis in this game. I think uh, Andrew Luck is playing well. I think Indianapolis is a little under the radar. And I think they're playing pretty good football. I'm going Colts in this one. Mm-hmm. So we have Seattle at Dallas. Dallas minus one. Love this. Love this matchup. The Cowboys got the worst draw of the four, I think. So uh, especially because they're. They're, they're really not that good. Um, I don't know how they won a division. I still don't know how. But I like uh, Seattle here to go in and continue that trend of Dallas losing playoff games. <laughs> I've seen some other lines, too, where Dallas is actually favored by one and a half or two and a half. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm taking the Seahawks, not just because I hate the Cowboys, but I just think they're going to choke once again come playoff time. Seattle. Well, I'm not going to go choke, but – I'm with Fred. I just don't think they're that good. Uh, they are much better. The Amari Cooper, the Amari Cooper deal was a good deal for them, and uh, their offensive line got better with the coaching change they made. They, they're, they're a better football yeah. team than they were, but um, I don't see I don't see them making the big plays. They got to be able to run the ball. Elliott's got to be able to run for 130 yards if they're going to win, and that ain't happening. So I'm going Dallas. Or uh, I'm going Seattle, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't confuse me. All right, Chargers visit Baltimore. Ravens minus two and a half. This is a tough one, too. I like Philip Rivers. 
I want him to go on a run and then win some playoff games. But I also love defense, and I love defense in the playoffs. Um, Lamar Jackson, I, I don't know. I don't think the Chargers are the defense that's going to stop them. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens at home here to win. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm just liking Philip Rivers. He's had a great season, and I don't know how Lamar Jackson is getting it done. I know they have a great defense, but I'm just really surprised that they're playing as well as they are. I know they're home. I know they're favored, but I'm taking the Chargers to win on the road. Well, I'm of the point that uh, unless they're going to be able to run the football, the Ravens, uh, with Lamar Jackson, that's how they're winning. Uh, If they can't do that, they're not going to win. And I'm going to go Chargers, too, um, just because I, I think Lamar Jackson, for what he's done for him to help him win, I think he's also able to help him lose because if he has to throw the ball a lot, I don't think they're going to be successful at this point. Mm-hmm. All right. Eagles visit Chicago to beat the Bears. The Bears are minus six. Um, what do you think, Fred? Oh man, this is this is tough because I don't know how that defense is so good. It, you got Khalil Mack. Uh, we're the hottest team. We got the hot quarterback. They got the the defense. I'm, I've been back and forth on this. I do do think if the Eagles do win, it, it's it's I'm I'm going to take the Eagles here. I think they can win. I think it'll be close, and I think it's going to have to be a, the the one weakness on that Chicago D is is in the slot. Um, the, I forget the corner's name, but he was injured. I don't want to really even call it a weakness, but I think if the Eagles can 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 ro- keep running the ball and um, at least keep that balance, and then um, utilize that, maybe get Golden Tate involved there, they can win. I'm going to take the Eagles to win this one in the fourth quarter on a field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of NFL games, I think this one's going to come down to takeaways. And the Bears are great at that. I know they're among the leaders in the league. They also score occasionally on defense. So the Eagles have to win the turnover battle, and hopefully that's the case. I'm going to say Nick Foles has at least one more week of magic left in him, and I'm taking the Eagles 24-20. to 24-20. to 20. Hmm. Okay. I think the, po- the six points is way too much myself. Um I think the Eagles are the hottest team, certainly going into the playoffs. They remind me a lot of the Giants teams that won the Super couple Super Bowls because they were hot going into the playoffs. Certainly weren't the best team, but they got it right when they needed to. I think the Eagles are going to continue to get it right. I think you're going to see a lot more Darren Sproles, a lot more speed. Uh, they're going to try to stretch out that defense and keep the pressure off of Nick Foles as much as they can. And I like the Eagles to win this game, and I'm going 27-17 birds. Wow. And, hey, while we're talking football, making predictions and all that stuff, Bama and Clemson for the national championship, I'll tell you right now, I don't watch as much football as you guys, the college football, but Bama's 14-0 for a reason. I'm taking Bama. Who you got? Bama's 14-0, but Bama's only played – one really good team, and and that's Georgia, in my opinion, who, who didn't show up in the bowl game. But um, I, I like Clemson here. I, I think Clemson has the players, the quarterback, and and the, the that uh, Travis Etienne. My brother loves Clemson, so I, I really kind of don't want to root for them because he'll just gloat the whole time. But I think Clemson can beat Bama. It's time for Saban to take an L, and um, I like Clemson. Well, I can tell you what, I love, I love, I like Dabo Sweeney a lot. He's done a great job there at Clemson. He's built a, built a dynasty basically, but you are the king until somebody knocks you off the throne and that's Alabama. Um, You know, they can, they can do it all. They could have scored 75 points the other night if they just kept doing what they were doing. Alabama is going to win that game and they're going to win it by 17 points. Whoa. Oh. Wow. It just is what it is. They're too there good. There you go. There and, you and go. I, and, I'm not, and I'm not a crazy in love with Nick Saban kind of guy, but they're good. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you go about it. They're good. So, hey, okay, hey, Fred, why, we have a few minutes. You want to stick around and talk Eagles for just a couple minutes with us? Yeah, definitely. 
All right. Hey, I wanted what I wanted to ask you guys. Um, you know, Nick Foles set record after record after record the other night or other day. Um, what do you what do you attribute this to? I mean, this this turnaround as we were talking with Frank is just kind of out of sight the way it's all playing out here. I'm I'm blown away by it to be honest with you. I I love Foles. I'm he got us a Super Bowl. Um, but I've always, you know, last year it was always up and down, you know what I mean? And his whole career's kind of been up and down where there's more consistency now and he's more calm. It seems like he's not run these situations when he throws the interception, he's not falling into like and letting it unravel him. He's staying calm and, and within himself. Um, it's it, it is. It's record after record. It's it's really really crazy. And then when he went down, you're like, Oh man, and and he gets back up. It's really actually it made me go back and look and I and uh and I was I think Ray Dinger had said it and then I, I looked at it it's like fifty percent or sixty percent of the season since nineteen ninety we've had two quarterbacks go in and it's and then Foles hasn't been the healthiest either. So the way he's playing has really made me sit back and consider like can you go into season after season with two quarterbacks and and is it necessary, you know, because obviously it was this year. Yeah, that's going to be a whole other discussion. If he wins, you know, a couple of more weeks, boy, I don't know what they're going to do. But, uh, yeah, Foles has certainly been great. And so have we talked at the beginning, Bill and I, about you know, all the leaders really stepping up, the guys like Fletcher Cox and Malcolm Jenkins and Darren Sproles. Uh, they've just played so great down the stretch. And I guess you probably saw that statistic the other day. I think John Clark tweeted it, how uh, – They've had 35 different guys play defense this year. 25 different guys have started on defense for the Eagles because of all the injuries. And the fact that they're 9-7 and seven and in the playoffs is just amazing when you consider all that they've gone through this year. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know if you guys saw this article. I want to throw this out. We don't have a lot of time. But I thought it was a really interesting article that was written in the uh, NBC Sports uh, website about Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, and Nick Foles. I don't know if you guys saw that, but Matt Nagy yeah. was actually a uh, uh, quality control coach for the yep. Eagles when Doug Peterson was the quarterback coach, and they were looking at film of who they were going to go look to see, the draft or whatever, and Andy Reid walked in the room and said, you guys are going to Arizona. you got to go see that Foles kid. And uh, – the rest, as they say, is history. Here they are playing against each other, the both head coaches, Super Bowl MVP quarterback, and Andy Reid's still pretty good for himself, too. So uh, kind of a great story. It's all intertwined. Mm-hmm. Good deal. All right, Fred. The whole team's we're playing good, too. It, oh, they are. All right. What say, well, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's weird, though, because the whole – it's falls come in, but the whole team's playing good. Like, all of a sudden, the defense is causing turnovers. All of a sudden – it's almost like like they like Foles magic. It's not just Foles. It's it's like everything has changed. It's so weird how it, it's it's like Zen like as they say. It, it's just weird. You got Go it. Birds. All right, Fred. We'll see you next week. Go birds. Go birds. All right. See you, Fred. Hey, Chet. Just a reminder, real quick. It's January. It's time for hockey for you. In case you didn't know, they've been playing the season already, and uh, the Flyers are struggling. That Carter Hart is coming off his first bad NHL game. Uh, everybody wanted Hart. You got him. Uh, he let up a couple softens, cost him a game, had to get pulled. Yeah, well, you know, when they called him up, I mentioned that. While I'm optimistic he's going to be very good eventually, he's going to hit some bumps along the road here in the early going. That's not exactly the best bunch of guys in the league playing in front of him. Keep that in mind. Now, the team did play better over the first few games since Scott Gordon took over as interim coach, but over the last three or four games anyway, since you know they've gone back to some old habits, some bad habits, and we're seeing more giveaways, more bad play overall, a lack of offensive firepower the last couple of games. It's tough to win games when your offense scores just one goal, and it's impossible to win when they score zero as they did in Nashville <laughs> New Year's night. But getting back to Carter Hart, I do have faith in him, and I'm really curious now to see how the goaltending situation plays out in the weeks ahead. I don't know what the situation is with Brian Elliott, but you know Neubert hasn't played terribly. Uh, I still think he's going to be the odd man out, and I think they're going to keep Carter Hart around when Elliott is healthy again. So we'll see. I'm with you, and uh, my my vote, and I'm sure they'll be calling to ask me, 
here at the Flyers organization yeah. pretty soon. Uh, put Carter Hart in. Let him, let him have all these bad games, whatever it takes. Put him in the fire, and let's get better for next year. And uh, yeah. this, team, this team will certainly get better. They're not going to get any better, or it's not going to make any difference in him, them making the playoffs if he goes back to the minor leagues. Yeah, I don't think they're making the playoffs either way. So let the guy play. I'm with you. All right, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance on winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly sports teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Razroom. That's right. It's PPCC 118 Razroom on Facebook. And Mr. Chesco, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable next week? I hate when I have to give this answer, but I don't know yet. I have two invitations out there, but I haven't gotten confirmation from either as yet. So hopefully we'll have at least one of the two people that I've invited. Maybe we'll have both. Maybe we'll have neither. But we will have a show next week, and it's going to be great. Yes, it will. <laughs> With that, Mr. Chesco, parting shot for you. I know you probably have a quick one. I do. It's the start of a new year, Bill, and I've only made about three resolutions personally, none of which I'm going to talk about. But while these aren't resolutions, there are some things I'd like to see happen on the Philly sports scene this year. I'd like to see Brett Brown do a better job of coaching in the final minutes of games. I want to see continued development from Ben Simmons. We've talked about that countless times already. I want to see Howie Roseman work more magic this offseason, which I hope doesn't get here for several more weeks, by the way, to make the Eagles a deeper, better team next fall. I want to see the Flyers figure out who should be coaching the Orange and Black so they can get back to being a contender, because right now, other than what happens with Carter Hart, Gritty the mascot is the only exciting thing about that franchise. And I want to see Gabe Kapler do a better job with lineups and managing in general in year two in the Phillies' dugout, whether or not that lineup includes a Bryce or a Manny. The Philly sports scene is always great, but it's even better when all of the teams are legit contenders, and that's what I want to see again. I'm with you. I have a couple uh, little items of crap we missed, Chad. And uh, the first one you actually did mention, but I'm going to mention it again because it's spectacular. Malcolm Jenkins, one of three NFL players to take 100% of their defensive snaps. Miles Jack of the Jaguars and Justin Simmons of the Broncos. That's fantastic. Jadavion Clowney, $40,000 fine for that rushing the passer call on Nick Foles that uh, he landed on him. 40 G's, Chet. That's a lot of money. And my last thing, thank goodness for the Temple Owls that they did not hire a traitor <laughs> in Manny Diaz who left them at the altar to go back to be the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes after spending just 17 days, none of which he was actually there on North Broad Street. Good for you, Temple. You don't have to put up with somebody that was going to stab you in the back. I'm glad you mentioned that. I thought you would mention that, and I'm glad you did, because that's unfortunate for Temple. It certainly – well, maybe not. Maybe not. The guy's never been a head coach. It's not like they uh, lost Lombardi. I mean, just they have to go through the process again now, but, you know. That's uh, right. Penn State, tough loss to Kentucky. Uh, Penn State, tough loss. Oh, well. Yep. Well, with Wrap that, Mr. Chesco, we've reached the top of the hour. We want to take time to say Happy New Year again to all of our listeners. We'd like to thank our special guest tonight, Frank Fitzpatrick, Ashley Lake, Blake Greenblatt, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Avoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio Wednesday, January 9th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes and TuneIn. I hope it's Philadelphia sports fans, and go Birds! Happy New Year, and good night.